miserable for Sheffield Wednesday. It hasn't been a Wednesday performance that we've been used to at all. Anytime we're forced to reference the Alan Irvine era, you know it's been a good week for Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and over the years, I have lamented that I shouldn't be drinking high ABV beers late at night when I record Sheffield Wednesday podcasts. But this week, I made a slight exception to my rule, which is not really a rule because I break it constantly. And I'm drinking the Beer Geek Vanilla Shake by uh, Michler Brewing Company. This is actually canned out in San Diego, although I've had it on occasion at their City Field location. It is a Imperial Stout with coffee and vanilla, 11% ABV. It's quite lovely. I'm going to be very sleepy by the end of this show, but we'll soldier on. And uh, since Wednesday lost 5-0, and Patty Jones has skipped out to Miami, trying to get as far away from recording this podcast as possible, we went to... Our usual purveyor of doom and gloom in New York. It's James Allen. James, what are you drinking? <laughs> usual purveyor of doom and gloom. Shit, my uh, my optimistic tag on my Twitter handle is going to have to change. Thanks, Jeff. Um, what am I drinking? Normally, I try and find some way of uh, of linking my mood to my beer, but all I've got in my hand is uh, is a can of Sonic Architecture from Fifth Hammer, which is a um, it's a just a normal New England IPA. Um, it does say on the side, though, that you should uh, rotate once to ensure the intended experience. Turns out on Wednesday, you've got to <laughs> rotate it about a thousand fucking times to get any sort of experience, and um, then it all settles and turns into shit. So, uh, yeah, let's get positive, shall we? Well, they didn't rotate any players. Maybe that was a problem. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe one of the problems. There's several, which we will chronicle, I'm sure, in great detail on episode 90. We will review the Blackburn game. We will go through... The usual assortment of Wednesday news. We'll preview the FA Cup round four fixture at Loftus Road. And just to drag this torture out a little bit further, we'll answer your social media questions. Uh, but we start with 90 minutes and 90 seconds. So this week, uh, I'll be honest, I only stayed for the, I only stayed. I only watched the first 23-ish minutes or so. I mean, it a couple of minutes after Luongo got sent off. And I just said, I know how this ends. I'm going to do some grocery shopping. So instead, I actually only thought they'd lose like three or four nil, to be fair. So it was even worse than I could have imagined at the time. We'll do 23 minutes and 23 seconds. No, God, please, no! 
no, no, no. And with that, our talking points. Uh, James, you just have utter shit with three exclamation points and then parenthetically, no more excuses. Uh, yeah, how to top uh, 23 seconds, 23 minutes, 23 seconds of screaming, Jeff. Um, yeah, well, I've, I've, I've just run out of ways to, to try and reason or, rash, or add any rationale for, for what Wednesday keep on doing to us, right? I mean, how do you go from a triumphant 2-0 victory against Leeds United at Ellen Road table-topping, you know, champions-elect Leeds United at Ellen Road to the most miserable home performance probably in living memory. And by the way, I I went to the uh, debacle against Burton on New Year's Day two years ago. So, you know, we we have some select highlights of pretty abject performances at Hillsborough. Saturday was unlike anything that I think many people have seen for a long time. Uh, So much so that very many people didn't see the last... Uh, half of the game in the last 10 15 20 minutes i think the fact that you stopped watching on 23 minutes jeff is probably about average for the the wednesday nights who were in the stadium let alone those of us who were trying to follow remotely i mean the reason for no excuses is is just it's so simple we've seen this too many times before this playing squad and i've been on record on this podcast of saying it just simply haven't got the consistency they haven't got the winning attitude they haven't got the mentality needed to get out of this division and there are no excuses for that performance. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Monk's reaction in a little while, but you know, from the word go, negative, backwards, um, second guessing themselves, not backing each other up, not covering for for one another in the case of um, you know the defence, and then just wilting under pressure and pressure from our Blackburn side. That let's be honest, are no great shakes, but are now two points behind us in the table. It's 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 just simply not acceptable. I mean, um, we can talk about a whole host of reasons why not, but. I, and I think a lot of what the Wednesday nights have simply had enough of, of this type of performance. This reminded me very much of a late, past-their-prime Carlos era performance, sort of on his on his last days, where you could just tell 10 minutes into the game they weren't going to be up for it. You know, on occasion, those teams could pull out a second-half performance and make a game out of it. Obviously, the Luongo red card rendered that possibility moot from just merely unlikely, which <laughs> based on the first 15 or so is what it looked like. And then you think about it with a few exceptions, it's pretty much the same players that were mailing in those performances late in the Carvial era. And you know we've harped on this before on the show and, you know, we're in the middle of a, the January transfer window where Wednesday are linked to more with bringing in players and sending out players for the most part outside of some, you know, youth squad and, and fringe roster pieces. And I just don't know what even the short term looks like other than more probably vacillating between fifth and 11th for the rest of the season. Cause this league is utter dog shit. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, you uh, you got there before I was able to intercede, Jeff. I mean, yeah, it is. It's the same player, so it's no wonder that we're seeing the same type of performance. Um, a lot of people have said it kind of it reminded them of when we kind of we lost spectacularly to I think it was Norwich back in like the early two thousands when Danny Maddox was in central defence. It kind of reminded me a little bit more recently of the game we played against Norwich. What you know, fourteen, sixteen months ago, where they they spanked us. 4-0 in the first half and we just kind of just about 
turned out and didn't concede any in the second. I think Puki uh, knocked a couple in. And it's exactly the same playing squad. You know, they have these days where they just seem... It's either like they, they turn up and they think that they've got a game plan that's so assured that they don't need to turn it on at the start of the game, or they start at a pedestrian place and they get sprung by the opposition, or they go a goal down and they just decide, you know what, I can't be I can't be jacked today. And any which way around, that an entire playing squad can react that way. And I'm not trying to say that every single individual in that team doesn't have you know, the ability to turn it on or that they, you know, collectively, every single one of them doesn't care. But the impression they give to the fans and the impression that we have around the club is that they have these days where they don't. And, you know, I don't think there's many Wednesdayites that will turn around and say that they don't accept that there's going to be periods of transition or that, you know, we expect to win every game. No one's unrealistic like that in the championship. But we expect them to give their all to win every game. And what was readily apparent before even a goal went in on Saturday is those players were not giving their all. They just simply weren't engaged. Um, and how you can be in that situation, what is it, you know, seven days after that game at Ellen Road is is just mystifying, especially when we know we've got a manager who, you know, is is trying to set them up in the white way, who is trying to inspire them. There's something more going on than, it, than just simply the interaction between manager and playing staff. It's frustrating too because you see it, it's almost the same kind of bad performance. They get a little bit of pressure in midfield and suddenly everybody loses their head and takes one or two extra touches and they either give the ball away in a bad spot or they can't maintain possession. They have no outlets. And I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with the uh, starting squad in all honesty, because I know they got a result against Leeds they rode their luck here and there and Blackburn came out with a very different sort of uh, modus operandi. And they, yeah, you've got to give Blackburn credit. I mean, they they definitely got at us early on and they, they had a a kind of high press. Why wouldn't wouldn't anybody, if they watch any tapes of this team is the thing (laughs) capitulate in, in the same exact way, if we don't have an outlet and that gets onto my talking point, which is if you're going to do one up front, it can't really be Sam Winnell. They need a number nine. And Fletcher's out for two months. They're still linked to Connor Wickham. But then I realized, well, you also need a number 10 because you need like a, a facilitator and someone to run off the number nine and win those second balls if you're not playing out the back. And we also kind of really need a, you know, attacking midfield box-to-box engine since Kieran Lee can't really do that in his physical shape anymore. So we also need a number eight. The thing that stuck out to me too is I generally like Monk's lineups and tactics. I think he gets it right far more often than he gets it wrong. He's made some weird decisions recently, uh, you know, dropping Julian Borner for three or four games coming off an uh, ankle injury. Now, I don't know exactly how fit he was or wasn't uh, during that period while I was on the bench, so maybe a little bit of a pass there. The one that's puzzled me recently is Kadeem Harris should probably be starting every game, and I know teams can set up and kind of reveal his limitations but even in that model he's still an incredibly hard worker and a constant outlet on the left like you know he'll put a shift in when there's pressure on he can beat a man and get down the field and just everybody can exhale and they don't really like jacob murphy's not really that player reach likes to freelance too much you know he's for these kind of games kind of your ideal uh winger so i don't know why he's sort of been relegated to a bench role if there's something else going on there that we're not privy to it just seemed like 
it wasn't the ideal setup for this game, but to bring it back around, they still should be beating Blackburn at home. And but this is where there's some you know curious dynamics going on, right? I mean, so the the easy way to kind of think about this is one of the biggest problems in Monk has is he he hasn't got the personnel at his disposal that suit the system that he's trying to play. So if you're trying to play one up front, you need a, a Stephen Fletcher. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesday do not have a like-for-like replacement for Stephen Fletcher in the squad. So the second that you take Stephen Fletcher out of the equation, he's injured. We can't just play Sam Winnell up front and hope that a 4-5-1 is going to work because he doesn't have the physical presence, he doesn't have the height, he doesn't have the ball control to play that demanding you know, lone striker role. Um and then you go to the question, okay, if I don't have the personnel, then maybe I should change the system. And that seems to be where the reluctance comes in. So you, know, you can see him tinkering, you know, saying, okay, what midfield combination is going to give me the outlet, the fluidity that allows the Sam Winnell to be successful? But it looks like experimentation. And lo and behold, it starts to look exactly like what we saw under Yoss and exactly like we saw under, you know, who the hell plays Sam Hutchinson up front as a lone striker? Well, a manager who's grasping at what the hell can I do with this ill-fitted, misattributed bunch of players who don't really fit to the system I'm trying to play. Um, we saw it at the end of the Colosseum, as you referenced earlier on. You, know, you just simply do not get on in this league by not having true, healthy squad rotation by which we mean players in, players out. And the fact that we're now in, you know, wherever we are, the third week in January, and the only signing we've made is a Argentinian teenager from a, you know... Uh, third division team in in Italy it's not to knock the future but you've got to ask the question what the hell is the club doing as its transfer strategy because it's very clear that the manager does not have the players at his disposal he wants in order to be able to make the impact that he needs to have on this squad I I wonder what he actually like his ideal formation would be he seems to default to 4-5-1 and it's a somewhat flexible four or five one. They can be more of a four three three, depending on who he starts in midfield and the and the needs of the game. But I don't know if that's it certainly doesn't fit the squad, and I don't know if it fits the league right now either. Like, there's just if you look at the teams that have like I think the best teams we've seen in there this year are probably West Brom and Brentford for the most part. They play, they don't play that. They play this very sort of free-flowing counter-attacking. And he kind of wants to play counter-attacking. We don't have the pace on the wings to play counter-attacking. And we're not, it's not like one-touch passing. As I said, they take an extra touch. Everything breaks down. You know, Fletcher, even when he was a lone striker, would get isolated up top. Um, You know, so it actually kind of worked well when they would play Rhodes off him. And they at least have two people in the box when (laughs) Kadeem Harris was making his runs. And... They've just never really found a system that works yet. And yeah, you're going to require a certain amount of tactical fluidity in this league, you know, especially when teams are maybe maybe setting up. You know, if you're going to play Luton, uh, you know, Luton comes to town and they're setting up two banks of four and going to try to be difficult to break down. Millwall, every game you play them, they're going to play like that. Um, you know, Barnsley, those kind of games. But they don't have a system. They don't have like a plan. A doesn't seem to work. I guess is what I'm saying. But neither does plan B, C, D, E, F, or G. Right. I'm, so, so this is where my ultimate frustration comes in, which is 
you know, we've, we've tried to explain away this type of performance multiple times. You know, we've gone three, four games where things have looked good and then something's gone awry, the wheels have fallen off. We've conceded, you know, basically three silly goals against Stoke away. We, you know, we've collapsed against Birmingham City last season. Or, you know, two years ago, we, you know, we just don't seem to be able to get up for it to play Burton Albion. There's no escaping the fact that the composition of this squad, the mentality of this squad, isn't up to the task of being adaptable, of playing multiple systems, of adapting to the expectations of a manager. So that's that's kind of part one. So we've, we've proven that this composition of players, the core, the nucleus, the kind of longevity of this squad is done. It needs to change. And, we, and we've talked about this on the pod. But here's the bigger issue, in my opinion. The bigger issue is... I could say the same thing about the Carlos era. I could say the same thing about the Yoss era. I could say the same thing about the Paul Jewell era. <laughs> I could talk about Alan Irvine. I can talk about kind of, you know, the back end of things when the wheels were falling off, you know, in, in the 1990s when we had Peter Shreves. There is something fundamentally rotten about the institution that is Sheffield Wednesday that cannot get a collective group of people to perform at the top level. And here is the 20-year question that we all need to answer. If it doesn't work now, if it hasn't worked for the last 20 years, what's the ultimate problem? The ultimate problem is you have to change up the entire infrastructure of the club. It just it can't continue like this. You know, Chancery has to recognise that he has to make whole-scale changes because he cannot expect to just keep on putting the same putting the same pieces of the jigsaw down on the table and coming up with a sum total of jack shit, which is just not what this fan base is going to tolerate for very much longer. We are going to lose fans quickly and Wednesday are going to go into a very, very dangerous place. So it's interesting. When you phrase it like that, it sounds like some sort of weird uh, curse or, you know, uh, something sort of like systemic rot, almost more, more magic than science. But I think there actually is some science to that in so much and not as a Wednesday fan that I don't believe in black magic. God knows. But uh you know, sort of idea that if you look at the clubs that and this isn't necessarily a, a, a chancery thing, and I think, you know, going back to sort of the the Dave Allen era onward, it's sort of been a you know a, a function of the financial limitations of the club. Uh, they are kind of still building their teams around this and their organization around this sort of late nineties model of football, which just doesn't really work. I mean, like, look, the Carlos era, it almost worked. You got a, you got the right mix of the right manager with the right squad at the right time. And it just didn't quite come off. They stayed with it too long, but that's really the only sort of glimmer of getting out of the second tier in the last 20 years at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's like, you got to look at like, what are the models of teams like even someone like hall which has been a bit of a yo-yo yo-yo team or west brom or you know wednesday fans their immediate reaction is going to be well we're bigger than hull we're bigger than west brom you know that that our our goals should not be this like yo-yo between the premier league and the championship but you know, you got to start somewhere, man. You haven't been in the league in 20 years. <laughs> so, I mean, this is where kind of, you know, basic organizational dynamics come into play, right? If Sheffield Wednesday were a business enterprise, would have been bust years ago because we can't hold on to customers. We don't have 
a standard operating model which is you know efficient and and well oiled and we're really shit at generating revenue i mean we can't even cook up enough chip butties to serve people who are queuing up seven deep to buy them at hillsborough let alone kind of you know make sure we wheel and deal in the transfer market to get out of the championship but we're not a typical commercial enterprise we're a football club and therefore we live in this special existence whereby every year we dust ourselves down and go through it the difference is that good football clubs you know some of those that you just mentioned jeff or you know we talk a lot about brentford but you know let's call let's let's speak those names that shall not be spoken of sheffield goddamn united you know those that decide that they're going to do things differently they commit to a plan the whole organization gets behind that plan they they get professional right they hire the right staff they put the right people in place they commit to the leaders they have in place they give them the resources it is just simply not the case that anyone at Wednesday, from the very top to the very bottom, has ever said in the last 20 years, I'm going to shake this entire place to the ground until it works. And I'm going to change the mentality of these halls. I'm going to change the mentality of these changing rooms. I'm going to change the mentality of these coaching staff. I'm going to demand the highest standards. I'm going to exemplify that in the way in which I have fans out on the concourse being greeted. I'm going to exemplify it in the way in which I'm greeting the players when they walk into the changing room. And until that happens... I don't know why we're expecting something different. And I, th- I think that's actually the, the, the piece that I kind of came away with most on Saturday. So you got to 23 minutes. I'm not even sure I got to that. You know, when, when did the first go- goal go in? About 17, something like that? Yeah. Like it was a fairly or quick yeah. cascade of dominoes. You know, goal goes in, Luongo gets sent off, 2-0, game over. But pretty much as soon as the goal went in, you kind of knew the way this was going. You know, Wednesday are coming off a big win. They're at home to Blackburn. They expect to win. And whoops, you know, there goes the same old calling card. And it, it's predictable because it's expected, because it's n- not expected to be different, you know? And, and and I just genuinely feel there is a cultural dynamic at Wednesday, an organizational dynamic that has to shift. I mentioned West Brom and Hull, but, you know, weirdly enough, maybe the model here is Wolves. Like, Wolves had to go down to League One and really burn it to the ground and build it up from there. And it's a difficult thing to like. It's difficult to do that in the championship because the championship is such a weird, competitive, expensive, relative to revenues often to run a team in. So they could they have to you know you have to like just like the wage bill for Morgan Fox because it's the championship and there's TV revenue everything. I'm, I'm you know these guys are on not obviously close to Premier League money, but still significant salary relative to the rest of the sport, really. Um, and again, it's not a it's not a top flight league. It's not Syria A or La Liga or uh, you know, the Portuguese first division or whatever else. You know, there's no there's no extra money. There's no Europa League places at stake. Like you can't really find other ways to finance this through just playing soccer, more or less. But by the same token, I I feel like if Wednesday went down to League One, it would just be a complete catastrophe. Like the club would just go bust. Like, it very nearly was. It'd be very I know nearly it's, did. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's just. Uh, but, but I guess that's kind of history, the point, there, but... Jeff, isn't it? Because I mean. The number of examples that we could point to are, are pretty long. You know, we could point to Wolves. 
we could talk about Southampton, we could talk about Leicester. Goddamn Leicester came down and went back up and won the Premier League in the time that Wednesday had been down in the doldrums. You but know? you can also be Sunderland. It's like with, it's risky. You could you could see Sunderland come back down, but for every Sunderland you can see a Burnley going in the opposite direction, right? Hull had been up and down about three times in the time we'd been languishing down here. The point is no one's ever really shaken it up and, and I'm gonna come back to the example you just used, right? Morgan Fox. So I don't think there is a, anything fundamentally wrong with Morgan Fox. I think Morgan Fox is a good footballer. And we've talked you know, a number of times in recent months about how he's proven himself to be a good footballer. And at the end of the game against Leeds, as you know, new scores in the 94th minute, he's the one celebrating with the fans. And he's a hero. On Saturday, when the fourth goal comes in, he drops his marker and stands two metres back from an easy ball into the box while the Blackburn player rifles it into the roof of the net. So don't, don't tell me that Morgan Fox suddenly became a bad player in seven days. He didn't become a bad player. He also should have blocked the shot the for the first one, too. Well, <laughs> no, exactly. But the point is, for whatever reason, Morgan Fox, who is a good footballer, who we all like and has been doing good things for Wednesday in the last few months, decided on Saturday he just couldn't be asked, Or the team collectively wasn't really in it. And you have to look deeper than one game. It's the same reason why you can't criticise Monk for playing 4-5-1. That formation has worked for him in the past. It has worked for other teams in the Championship. It could work for Sheffield Wednesday. It works for us when we have Fletcher up front. But it seems as soon as we any sort of doubt creeps in, we're not, we're not the same organisation. And that, that tells you we're a brittle organisation. It tells you that we doubt ourselves. It tells you that we don't have standards, that we don't demand ourselves to be at kind of the peak of our game. And you can't expect to get out of the championship unless you demand that week in, week out, game in, game out, you know. Um, I, I just don't, I don't know another way to put it. You know, Julian Borner, he of the great big birthday cake this week. Um, he's what, four yards short of his uh, of his attacking midfielder when um, when they burst through for the fifth? I mean, I, I, I can't rationalise that. You know, again, a player who's been consistently, you know, delivering the goods for us this season. Some, something's just drastically wrong deep in the core of Sheffield Wednesday. I'm sure more on that to come, at least the next time we have James on. But for now, we'll take a break. We come back, we'll run down the Wednesday news, preview the QPR game, and answer your social media questions. Now it's time for some Wednesday news, and we'll start with Massimo Luongo's red card being rescinded against Blackburn. I don't think either of us thought it really made a—I mean, it changed the tenor of the match. I don't know if either of us thinks it made a huge difference in the result, maybe in the goal difference. Never a red card, James. No, not in the month of Sundays. I mean, the entertaining thing is I don't know if anyone's quite sure whether we appealed it or whether the EFL just went, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a shit decision. Um it wouldn't have made an absolute single bit of difference. We still lose that game. You know, the, the mentality was set. The goal was already, the card was already marked before Luongo got sent off. And if anything, it was kind of symptomatic of the way the game was going. Um, but yeah, it was not a red card in the month of Sundays. I mean, if anything, the Blackburn player leaps in more than Luongo does. So um, it's nice that we've got him available. Uh, I, you know, I rate the guy. I think he's, I think he had something different to our midfield. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he got caught up in the same melee as everybody else on the, on the weekend. But let, let's look to the positives. We have him available for the next game, and we can now turn the corner and have a wonderfully positive um, end to January. Correct. 
possibly good news uh, on the horizon, all this is sort of uh, tangential, uh, Darby County are also suing over their uh, FFP ruling from the EFL, and they gave a similarly strongly worded letter that implied that the EFL basically decided the stuff they had agreed to over the summer they no longer feel like they should have agreed to which is pretty much how contract law works i think james yeah i'm I'm not a lawyer but i'm pretty sure that the you told us one thing um we agreed to it we acted on it now you've changed your mind and you want to penalize us um it doesn't sound too good for the afl that one um it also is probably a little bit more specific than the you know the carefully wondered legal text of our own statement um what it implies, I think, and I think this is a positive for Wednesday, is you know those of us, the clubs that exploited the, le- the loophole around stadium sales, all seem to have been given something that sounds awfully like a green light slash go ahead, you've got us from the EFL. And now the EFL are trying to say, actually, we didn't quite mean that. And uh, can we now dock you some points? So, yeah, they, they may be on slightly dodgy legal ground. So we, speculation is all we can do. We have absolutely no evidence proof whatsoever. But I think it's probably good for Wednesday that others are in the same catchment. I could be wrong. I'll try to perk things up a little bit. We're a cap an actual Wednesday win. It's the under-23s won 2-1 this week over Bolton. Goals from Connor Grant and Fraser Preston. Joe Wildsmith in goal, which uh, brings me to the general goalkeeping news situation because Jerry Monk was asked this week, specifically but not specifically about Kieran Westwood and he gave a vague but not all that vague answer that basically said I'm happy with the two goalkeepers I'm starting right now James um so I think a fit Kieran Westwood at least on paper gets into the squad as Wednesday's number one right Mm -hmm. at least in principle um it appears that Gary Monk no longer has faith in a fit Kieran Westwood as Wednesday's number one which is interesting because that was also the conclusion that Jos Lehukai drew, um, and which was then obviously you know somewhat reversed by um, by Lee Bullen and, and Steve Bruce. There is something of a pattern here, and um, talking we talked about patterns earlier in the podcast. It would appear that for whatever reason, Kieran Westwood does something behind the scenes that somebody in a position of power doesn't always appreciate, um, or other members of the squad don't appreciate. I don't know. So look he's what did we sign him up for a one-year rolling contract so is yeah, he out of contract, out of contract again, contract in the again yeah it kind of comes back to my my macro point about this squad just needs to be shaken up and and replaced much as kieran westwood has been a fabulous goalkeeper for sheffield wednesday and we've all argued that he is probably one of the best in the division it would appear that maybe the time of this squad is up and maybe kieran westwood should be one of those who makes way to uh to relinquish to a a different composition of squad. Now, whether Cameron Dawson ends up being our long-term number one is is a different question. Also um, out of contract in the summer. <laughs> also out of contract in the summer. Also generating quite a lot of interest from other clubs, apparently. Um, I think he's a much, much more accomplished goalkeeper this season than we saw two years ago when he you know, he was kind of uh, put in as number one by Lehuke. Um Do I think he is necessarily the answer? Well, I think that's up to to a manager to decide who they want to commit to. I I would like to see him as part of the squad long term, but I kind of get what's going on with Westwood and I've kind of moved beyond it. It's a drama we've been through two, three times before and I'm I'm kind of bored of it. We're also only a couple of years removed from a a fit Joe Wildsmith looking like one for the future as well. 
Yeah, but that was before he decided he wanted to look more like a member of a boy band and was quite happy <laughs> just to kind of slouch around the place in uh, slightly droopy jogging bottoms. So, you know, um, it's nice that he's playing for the under-23s again. I, look, you know, it's Joe Wiseman is like quite a few players away, so he needs to go somewhere, uh, right? They haven't started him in the cup games. They've kept Dawson uh, as the number one for those as well. They haven't used a cup keeper, so. Yeah, it's kind of curious, right? I, I, Again, you know, I think it's in everyone's interest, right? If if you've got a player that isn't playing, get them playing, get them playing football somewhere else. They don't. No one benefits from having this kind of long tail of players who are just kind of dragging around a club, or worse, players who aren't playing and perhaps are kind of saying, "Well, you know, if I'm not playing, I don't really need to be around," right? I don't. I don't think that's a situation that that really does anybody any good. So, you know, I'm, I'm pleased to see Wildsmith playing again for the under-23s, but he's getting a bit long in the tooth for that now. He needs to build a career, and if it's not a Wednesday, it needs to be somewhere else. Yeah. To be to be fair, the club are moving players on, like Ashley Baker and, uh, you know, Judd Thornley and, and things like that. So maybe we're beginning to get that message. He's been... Uh... Wildsmith's been on loan before, hasn't he? I feel like. Wildsmith... Uh, I don't think so. Unless we, the only place I can think of that we send young players like that is Rotherham. I don't think he's ever been there. He does look like a member of the Arctic Monkeys, so who knows? <laughs> uh, last week, James O'Connor got a new job. This week, friend of the pod, Sean McCauley, has found one as well. Yeah, at, uh, remind me, something in Minnesota FC. Yeah, something in Minnesota FC. <laughs> I can't keep track of all the. Uh... I guess they're actually an MLS team now, aren't they? It is an MLS team as assistant to the one and only Adrian Heath of uh, former Everton and uh, Sheffield <coughs> United um, phrase. So um, yeah, I, I mean, li- listen, I mean, Sh- Sean is one of the all-around good guys, right? When we've spoken to him, he has been ruthlessly honest about his time at Wednesday. Um, you know, very prescient about some of the challenges that I think we face as a football club. Um, did a great job. Uh, obviously, you know, up in the uh, up in the northwest, and and then followed down to Orlando in the summer. It's really good to see him back in soccer here in the US. Um, and wish him all the best. We now have a new team to follow. If we could only remember the name of it. Also, Sean, if you don't want to be in Minnesota in February, and you probably don't, you should come down for the national meetup. <laughs> Ding, good link, Jeff. Do we have a national meetup coming up? We do. I'm not actually. It's like the end of February in New Orleans. Well, I have Patty do this stuff. He's like our. Uh party planner so it, it, are we actually going to watch a game or are we just going for a party we'll, we'll see i assume we'll see what kind of shape wednesday's in by the uh, end of february it's kind of uh, disappointing in I'm a way sure the game the will be on in a bar somewhere as part of the national meetup mm. i mean we could have um we could have set fair for a really really positive saturday on the back of that all right here's a what would be of the funniest result for the national meetup who are we play derby God damn it! Um, the funniest result against Derby, but it's not—it's not at uh, at Derby, right? It's at, it's at Hillsborough. Let me take a look. It would be a historic result if we actually beat them beat away. Them Darby, we yeah. never beat them away. Uh, so Philip Koku is kind of a little bit French. Is he in any way Louisiana French? I cannot speak to that. It is at yeah, home. It's February twenty ninth. Well, look, our record defeat so far this season is 5-0 against Blackburn Rovers, so I suppose the funniest result in terms of, oh, oh Wednesday have slipped on another banana skin would be to go 6 or 7-0, but mm. you know, let's see how we go. I'm trying to make this uh, 
segment a little more upbeat. Let's talk about transfer news. Uh, as you mentioned in the first half, Manuel Hidalgo, Argentinian 20-year-old winger from Tristina in Serie Che, is now aboard. His YouTube yeah. video looks great. He, his scouting video looks top-notch. He's yeah. got some pretty pretty tasty close control. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody says he looks like a little bit like sort of the player that Fessy might have been when he was a 20-year-old. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of ironic when we've still got Festi on our books and he can't get a game. Um, but no, look, look, I'm you know, it's so easy to get facetious, right? We've signed a promising young Argentinian <laughs> forward who's played international <laughs> football yeah. for his country. Da da da. Um, he's got great skills, great control. I mean, he sounds a little bit like Rodri, but you know, <laughs> let's not let's not go there because that would be negative. Um, and Is the kind of moves you should be making as an upwardly mobile championship football club. Absolutely. Now, you know, if we were Brentford, we would immediately send him out on loan to Holland for the next 12 months. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But we don't have that sort of organization. So he is going to aspire to play for our under 23 team with Joe Wildsmith um, and several members of the senior squad who can't get a game. But, you know, this is is all about his problem. Yes, Bulgaria's finest striking mm. export. Um, so, you know, th- th- this may yet work out. I mean, look, the, the kid has clearly got talent. Um, he, I think he was on trial. So my understanding is that, you know, Monk has seen him firsthand. It's not just a scouting video. He is not just another Sergei Bus, <laughs> uh, which is probably a blessing. And to be fair, playing for the under-23s in Sheffield Wednesday is way more stable than playing for any team in Syria, Che, given the state of lower league Italian football. <laughs> I do like the way you pronounce Che, by the way, Jeff. That's how it's that's, pronounced. Uh, that's, that's very, very precise. It sort of it speaks to a professionalism as regards Italian footballing content that I, <laughs> I could only aspire to. Um, so yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe he will be a revelation. Um, you know, we we could do with a few more young players coming through. Just it would be nice if we could give them a little bit of kind of you know support and coverage, unlike our back four completely leaving our new fledgling right back open to the elements on Saturday. The only uh, the last big youth translators I can remember off the top of my head is Felipe Mello and that worked out great because we've all heard a lot about Felipe Mello since then no we've 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 got a really good track record in this regard I I cannot believe you're not talking about Ashley Baker Mm. oh and there's more heat around Connor Wickham with Roy Hodgson suggesting this week that he should go out on loan and roughly contemporaneously the uh, Sheffield star reporting that Wednesday were told by Crystal Palace to up their bid. Hmm. Mm. Um, I know we're trying to be positive in this segment, Jeff, but I saw a, uh, I saw a WhatsApp statement earlier <laughs> on that said something along the lines of, he came off the bench, he looked fat and off the pace, i.e. an ideal Wednesday <laughs> signing. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, it, it can't be easy to bring a premiership forward in. Sorry, people, you're not allowed to say premiership anymore. Premier League forward in. Um to a championship club, especially one aspiring of getting out of this division. So uh, I'm sure Wednesday working hard on that. Look, Conor Wickham was great five years ago. He's had a lot of injuries um, since then. <laughs> I, I, you know, I want to be positive, but I kind of feel like we need to be looking elsewhere. We need to be looking at undervalued, underrealized talent, not someone who hasn't quite had the run of the green who we used to know five years ago. It's kind of like, I don't know, there's probably a dating analogy in there, but let's not go there. <laughs> Well, if you want to uh, move forward, we've lost out on uh, Ben Marshall. 
because he is signed with uh, Stone Cloud FC this week. So, Jeff, you know, in a bygone age, we used to profile, you know, weird towns in England. Have mm. you got any idea where that is? I'm not even positive it's in England, but I assume it is. Um, to be perfectly feels honest, like Jeff, Northern I, Ireland Premiership. I haven't got the first clue either, so it is, we're, we're both in the same boat here. It, here I'll look I can assume you. it's a small hamlet in the Lake District, but I could be wrong. Stone Cloud FC. This is where Jeff's fabled Wikipedia searching whilst podcasting skills kick in. They're, uh, I'll just point out that it brings up their Twitter account and their most recent tweet. Would like to thank Nando's UK Middlebrook for our first for our ARA for sponsor next season and free meal. <laughs> uh, they're in the twelfth tier apparently. I can't find an actual Wikipedia page, so I will go. But to... assumedly, he was able to pass a medical there, so you know it doesn't really matter what level of football they're at. And by the way, they had a very rotund gentleman in a bobble hat greeting him as part of their official signing ceremony. So. You know, it kind of basically looked like anyone's dad running a uh, a small local mm. Sunday five-side team. It says Fox Park M261GF. M26. They're okay, in the West the Lancashire Premiership. West Lincolnshire? Lancashire. Oh, Lancashire. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, it's the Greater Manchester. So, somewhere <laughs> in the northwest. Um, basically, smacks of his local team doing them a favour for the rest yeah. of the season. But good for Ben Marshall. I can't find, like, an actual... So basically, Address. we just got usurped by a team in the 12th level of British football. Let me actually look this up on Google Maps. Uh, no, hang on, Jeff. I've got it. I've got it. It's um, it's basically no man's land, uh, triangulated between the uh, the incredible northern towns of Bury, Bolton, and Eccles. Um <laughs> So that's two teams who've completely managed to uh, fail to have a uh, successful professional football side. They might literally the, be the best team in the region. They probably are <laughs> the best team in the region. And Eccles Cakes. Mm. Have you got any idea what an Eccles Cake no is? No idea. Is like a Jaffa Cake? Oh, it's so much better than a Jaffa Cake. It is a uh, basically a, like a phyllo pastry parcel filled with like currants. I do like Incredibly good. densely packed with currants and syrup. It's mm. gorgeous. Um, yeah, northwestern Manchester. Well, so, you said um, curry, you not currants. So. Not berries. No. Yeah, there's, there's a berry bury kind of uh, connotation mm. there. If you really want to get into the pronunciation, what it really comes down to is Ben Marshall clearly likes living in Manchester and has decided to sign for a team somewhere near the uh, A56 to Whitefield. So good, good for him. That's a little bit more than a stone's throw away from Wednesday's match this Friday in prime time. As they head to Loftus Road for a fourth round FA Cup fixture with QPR. And these poor bastard Wednesday fans, even after losing 5-0, sold out their allotment for this game, James. <laughs> you, you, the, our fan base is just something else, isn't it? It really is. It's not even like a, a bunch... nice night out in London because it's Loftus Road. What would you do in Loftus Road? Well, look. We, uh, we we spoke to our uh, our exiled New York owl, Dom yeah. Sattler, about this, and uh, and he pointed out that, yes, it's lovely to have a Friday night out in London, but uh, actually some of us have got lives to lead and uh, and can't get there. 3,000 Wednesday nights feel differently, and they are shipping down to the capital on Friday night for a FA Cup game, um, which, you know, maybe we haven't got too much optimism about after the weekend, but un- unbelievable. I mean, we're either a bunch of raging masochists, uh, which we are, or... 
Um, we just seriously have incredible faith in, in the future of Sheffield Wednesday, uh, which we don't, uh, or just we like to go and get pissed in London. Well, um, nothing better to I do on a Friday probably night. probably the best answer, right? Um, yeah, I mean, look, QPR are having a, a reasonably decent run of things, right? They uh, they just beat a team called Leeds United on the weekend. Yeah, everybody's um, doing that recently, so... Yeah, and, and apparently you only go on to good things thereafter, so um, I, I predict a 5-0 win to the Wednesday. Sounds good. What would you do Friday night out after uh, in the Loftus Road area? Uh, get the hell out of Loftus Road. <laughs> uh, Queen's, Queen's Park is a really uh, really kind of nice suburb, but without much going on, to be perfectly honest. I mean, just, just immediately from there, you can get across to kind of, you know, the Fulhams and the... Uh, you know, nice, nice parts of Southwest London fairly easily, but I think most people, most Wednesdayites, will just kind of head back into Central London and have a good, uh, good evening, right? Depends on how the game goes. Uh, I think you can guarantee that most Wednesdayites will still go back into Central London, <laughs> and have a good evening, regardless of how the game goes. Some of them may leave on twenty-three minutes, depending on past precedent. So, would you uh, mix up the lineup a little bit this week? How would you set up against QPR oh, away in the, the FA Cup, not? James? Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. It didn't work at the weekend, so why are we going to go with the same old... Get Manuel Hidalgo in there? <laughs> at this point, Jeff, I'm okay Start with Start your idiot striker, let's go. Let's put Joe Wildsmith in goal. Mm. Um, I would like Hidalgo playing on the... Is he a right winger or a left winger? I have no idea. I didn't watch the YouTube tape. I just heard it was good. So I don't know how yeah. two-footed he is. Uh, let, let's bring Fessy back just for the sheer shits and giggles of it. I, I don't know. I'm... David Bates getting a start at center back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this could go so wrong so fast. Uh-huh. Look, I, so much of this actually is, and the fundamental of this is, how does Gary Monk react with this squad, right? I mean, yeah. no no player should want to go through what that team went through at the weekend. No manager should want to have that on response. their own. We haven't really talked res- about Gary Monk's response, and he didn't go up i don't know what he said in the locker room but he was fairly composed in the press conference just basically that wasn't good enough which everyone watching it did knew and it's i don't know if this is a squad you can yell at at this point and it makes any bit of a difference I don't think it does. I think I think it really comes down to he's just got to weed out the characters that yeah. he thinks will give him give him a performance, right? Um, I hope he plays two up front, um, simply because I don't think we've got the personnel to support one. Um, we've got past form of going to QPR and being 3-0 down within 20 minutes. I really don't want to do that, so don't play Joe Wildsmith in net, please. Thank you very much. We tried that a couple of years ago. Um, they've got dangerous players. You know, we... <laughs> The week after we let in two goals in the first 10 minutes against Cardiff, they turned them over, what, 6-1? Something yeah. like that, 6-0? So, you know, particularly, is it easy or easy? I'm not sure how you say it, but he, he looks a real handful. Um, we, we've just got, he's got to go with trusted players. You know, it, I would hope that the signal he sends with the lineup is one of these are the players that are going to see us through the second half of the season. And pretty much anyone who he feels fundamentally left let him down at the weekend. I'm okay if he leaves them to long grass. I don't care if they're the favoured players of the fan base. He has to make those marks now. And and then trade and trade as hard as he can in the next 10 days. I, for one, am very excited to see uh, Irby Emanuelson finally get a start for Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> he's still in the locker, is he? No, he's not. It'd be funny if he was, though. Let's answer some uh, social media questions. Try to continue to 
lighten the lighten the mood. From is from Twitter at Coach Tom Wed, which I believe is our uh, our famous Palmetto Owl. Can we sell Fessy, Reach, Fox, Rhodes, and Hutch by the end of the transfer window? Uh, no, because nobody's going to pay the amount of money that Chancery wants. But yes, please, they can all go for my liking. And um, can we add a few others? I feel like they get a price for Reach, probably. I think we still get a price for Fessy, to be honest. I mean, it's just a question of whether it meets our thresholds. I mean, you might get a couple of million for him now, but you're not going to get the 10 we were talking about a season and a half ago. Reach definitely has saleable value. Fox definitely has saleable value. Rhodes definitely has saleable value. Hutch, I mean, look, the guy is definite quality. Um, he's the one player, by the way, Hutch, that I kind of maybe reserve a little bit of, maybe we hang on to him uh, just because his versatility. But... Yeah, honestly, I, th- I think any player's up for sale. I, I, I've, I'm, I'm past the point of saying, no, we've got to hang on to X or Y. I think I think this squad needs to change in such a profound way that I would take listen to offers for any player in our, in our squad right now. At right or Ron, any correlation between Jeff Paternostro singing on the last podcast and the boys losing by five at home? So right or uh, Jeff, only you can possibly answer this question. I've only sung once previously on the podcast it was right before josh lukai's debut and the game after was a nil nil draw so we'll need more data points and i sing about once every 18 months so you're gonna be waiting a little longer sorry we change managers once every 18 months so Mm. that's okay at runner 812 how impressive was the self-control shown by monk during his post-game presser to contain his obvious anger and not unleash every expletive known to man to describe the team's performance pretty damn impressive um, I mean, especially because he looks like a direct-to-video taken sequel villain so you could really see him like i've described him before as hard arthur darvel that's what he looks like to me <laughs> Thomas Turgus is the uh, is the reference, Jeff. I'll give you. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I think the, to Monk's great credit, he doesn't get too, you know, um, erratic when we win. He remains passive when we lose. I think he seems to be a, a study in understanding the dynamics. The question is how much control he has of them, right? You know, can he elicit a response on this playing squad? Can he turn this to his advantage? Unfortunately, you know, the performance over Christmas, we thought he turned a corner and look what he got in response. So past history suggests that that may be a little bit optimistic. But yes, I mean, in answer to the question, his self-control was incredible. And um, I have to hope that he wasn't so restrained in front of the players because I certainly fucking wouldn't have been. It's from at Victoria 1867. This one is for James only to save his blood pressure. Who's your favorite member of Little Mix? Uh, This is easy. Uh, It's uh, Posh Spice. You had explained to me what this was, and if you asked me a, a, a voice UK question, Victoria, I could have chimed in, but I do not watch the X Factor UK. I'm very, I was very amused that everyone I follow on Wednesday Twitter from the UK is discovering the Mass Singer because we've had that for like a year now. Did I see something absolutely insane whereby there's like basically someone singing as a tree? Is that, is that the yeah, basic they all dress principle in, behind the celebra- It's like C-list celebrities dressing costumes and do like production numbers singing like cover songs. Except one of them was Teddy Sheringham. Sure. Yeah. C-list uh, celebrities, it, I just said. 
Long that might be a little nice harsh on UK. Teddy you know, There's, there's not much to do, Jeff, over there. Um, mm. Apparently, Little Mix um, emerged out of the X Factor in 2011, which means they've been knocking around on the British music scene for eight years without making any impact in America. I only get, like... It's amusing sort of the bits and bobs I get of English pop culture through Wednesday Twitter. What's the is it the show on Channel 5 where they're like, it's a bunch of naked people on a dating show? Uh, I got, is that only on Channel 5? I think there's several variants of that. Isn't oh. it Naked and Afraid or something? No, no, it's like a dating show, but they like reveal the person, like, you only see them from the... Like, you don't see their face at any point in time. You only see their, like, naked bodies as part of... The, it's like the dating game, but... I'm going to look this up now. But I got, like, information about that. Like, just... <laughs> people just started randomly tweeting about it. It was, like, an episode about it around Christmas or something. Jeff, let, let's stick to our social questions, and then you can look up <laughs> the naked British dating shows after the show. Literal Brit here. You spend, like, half your time over there anyway in weird small towns in Britain, clearly, based on your... Uh... From at Jason O'Grady, which SWFC, as you can tell, I'm most of the way through the 16 ounces of this 11% uh, Imperial Stout now. Which SWFC player would you have took out first on Saturday if you had a broom handle Mauser underneath your seat? I'll start with Reach. It's a little harsh on Adam Reach. Um, he did not look up for it, but you can say that about pretty no, much anybody. He, he, he didn't. Um I don't think you Good can like Lord. point out just one player here is the problem. No, you can't. It, it was a collective dereliction of duty, right? I, I mean, mean um... Monk did take Winnell off first, and Winnell did not look particularly bothered one way or the other. Winnell didn't look particularly in it. You know, Barry Bannon was waving his arms around after about five minutes. Uh, Morgan Fox, I've already mentioned, seemed off the pace. Cameron Dawson managed to backhead his own ball <laughs> into his own net. Not his fault, by the way. I'm not trying to blame him for that. Uh... Yeah, uh, just the whole bloody lot of them. Just mow them all down and start again. Move to the Instagram. From at Andy123 underscore X. How close are we to signing Connor Wickham? Chris put a note here. I came out with Venture Palace today. Yes, and we've already covered his performance uh, secondhand. I feel like this is going to happen. This feels like a very Wednesday move. It's a, it seems supremely Wednesday, yeah. One that can it's only like happen. The up market, it it's like the upmarket. It's like it's fancy dog Gary Taylor Fletcher, <laughs> <laughs> or Steve Howard, or Leon Clark. We love this, like, uh... and I loved Connor Wickham in his last loan spell here. We all love. He was Connor a Wickham joy. Him and Matty Fry it up front. Yeah, it was great. But this is like probably the aforementioned tweeter who was referring to, you know, a uh, hot off the press British manufactured pop band in 2011. Everyone <laughs> was excited back the, about them nine years ago. But, you know, they've probably had a little bit too much Botox since, right? To say. At Big Has 2006, who do we is that need Big to. Heck? Yeah? Is that Big Heck? <laughs> Michael Hector going, going for him. He wants to know who do we need to sign? Is he trying yeah, to Michael finagle Hector. his way Michael back Hector. in? Michael right. <laughs> I don't know. Who would you sign, James? Yeah. I like Hector. Erling Haaland looks pretty good. I would have signed him. Who is it The Paddy wants? He wants Nekatea from Arsenal, right? Yeah, they're not going to loan him out, apparently. <sighs> I'd take an entirely new midfield. It does look that way. Man. Number eight, number ten. 
It's not great. No, look, um, who do we need to sign? Let's be realistic. Wednesday going to make a couple of signings within the boundaries we have available to us. It's more about who do we actually get some revenue in for in this window. Um, it has to set precedent for the summer. I, the, you know, my, my honest prediction is not a particularly hard one to get to. I can't imagine there'll be many Wednesdays who are going to argue with me. We probably ain't going up this season, so let's pro- start the process now. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Monk hasn't really had a never got a preseason with the squad has this is his first transfer window and it's january and you know how much you can do we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with the efl in terms of what we're allowed to do we haven't really been linked to uh bringing in people on permanent transfers it's you know loan moves for connor wickham wilford bonnie who's out of contract it's a 20 year old you know italian functionally a youth player from syria che yeah, it's it's not, you know, they're not even in on. <laughs> God bless Gary Medine. <laughs> I guess he was out of contract too, technically. So, um, but they're not like you know they're not in for some ten million pound League One striker that's killing it. No, we busted our ten million pounds on a <laughs> strength championship striker who wasn't completely killing it, but definitely had a past record of killing it, and then killed us. Wasn't he in the Premier League at that point with Norwich? Uh, no, he went to Norwich in the Premier League after we had him. We gave him to Norwich to take them to the Premier League. Yeah. Where did we get him from? Middlesbrough. Oh, that's right. After he no, taken they were in the Premier, Premier League, League then. Well. Weren't they, or did they come back down? I don't remember. <laughs> the last three years are a blur at this point. Uh, <sighs> I should have looked up where the meetups for the QPR game is, because that is uh, up next. So I'll take a look at our look at our website. I had a guess, Jeff. CF I'm going to go Football Factory in New York. Well, it's ESPN+, um, Plus, so there might be... Uh, Oh, there might be more. Uh, In that case, uh, surely we have a meetup in New Orleans at Fimicles. Well, the thing of it is, James, Patty's been in Miami and on vacation every all week, so I don't know if he's actually updated the website for the stuff. (laughs) Based on based on the pictures we've been getting in WhatsApp. Look, there's certain things I'm good at when it comes to hosting a podcast and organization of this kind of stuff. Let's just say that since most Wednesday nights are going to be furiously looking forward to the... Here's uh, here's the thing, though. Florida Owls is going to get upset if I don't mention they have a meetup because it's an ESPN Plus game. No, it's all right. They're going to be following the impeachment trial. (laughs) They're going to be glued to the Senate. Uh, I've also now managed to lose the agenda at some point because I clicked on a window that I shouldn't have. Oh yeah, I just went straight from the actual Google Doc to the to the website. So I can't like smoothly ignore that and transition to uh you've been listening to episode ninety of the Alice Americast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesday's I follow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet, though apparently not our meetups at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesday Ice Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no long There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Patty is not here, but he's on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Do you want to find out where the actual fucking meetups are this weekend? 
James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, will you be joining us at the Football Factory for a lovely 90 minutes? Um, so I have a meeting that finishes at 3 p.m. about 10 blocks north of the Football Factory. So uh, so I'll be there on about 23 minutes, Jeff. Um, Good. I'll, be, I'll, I'll the... give you the uh, the old handshake on the way out the door, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so the first of the five Wednesday goals we're going to score. Yeah. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. And we'll see you back here next week.